0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Even in the midst of some of these tragic stories and the, and the chaos, I, I want us to understand that, man, the Lord can take the mess we make and turn it into a masterpiece. He can make beautiful things happen from our disasters. He just can Ephesians talks about that where... You know, we are his, this poema, this masterpiece that he is continually working on. He's working on it. And yeah, there's messes and there's all kinds of hard edges to me and things that need to be chipped off and things that need to be reformed and all that good stuff. But he's so willing to do it. He's so willing to do it for each and every one of us.
0: Even in the midst of tragic stories and chaos, the Lord can take the mess you make and turn it into a masterpiece. He can make beautiful things out of your disasters. He's continually working on you. He's active in your life. He's forming and fashioning each one of us. Pastor James encourages us you may be sitting in the biggest disaster of your life. I want you to know that he's not done with you yet. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis, chapter 33, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: yourself in that story and just kind of see this, this reunion take place and this embrace that these guys have. And it's like all the past stuff just kind of washes away, it just washes away. There's no talk about like, hey, I'm sorry I stole your, you know, I'm sorry I stole your blessing from dad. There's none of that. Look at what, look at their conversation they have. He, he hugs them, he kisses them, they both are weeping together. Verse five, it says, he lifted his eyes, this is Esau, and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant, again, he's going to emphasize the fact that he bowed seven times. He's going to place tremendous emphasis on the fact that, listen, I'm here uh, just as, as your servant. It says, then the maidservants came near and, they, uh, and their children, and they bowed down, and Leah came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I've met? And he says, and Jacob says to him, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Now, he's referring to all the herds that Jacob had sent the night before to kind of appease Esau, because he knew Esau was headed his way. So he sent out a ton of gifts, and gifts meaning different livestock and servants and all that stuff. And so Esau's like, hey, what was all that? I kept getting all these Amazon boxes. Um, what was all that about? Like, what, what, what's this about? He's like, Oh, I'm just trying to make it right. That's what Jacob's saying. I, I'm just trying to make it right with you. That's all. And Esau's like, Dude, I have enough. I don't need your stuff. And in one sense, he's saying, You don't have to do that. We're good. We're good. We're okay. But see, Jacob, the night before, was thinking, I better send these gifts because this might keep him from wanting to kill me. Little again did he know that God is already moving ahead of him and answering the prayer, and God was already working on Esau's heart just like he was working on Jacob's heart. But Jacob's going to be persistent. Verse 10, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. So here's Jacob just saying, listen, um, you have no idea. God has been so gracious to me. He has blessed me with so much. These, these wives, these children, all this stuff, it's because of God and it's because of his grace. And, and whatever I sent to you, can you just please take it? Just please take it. It's, it's out of abundance of what God has already blessed me with. And so through persistence... Esau's like, okay, all right, well, you know, fine, I'll take it. I'll take your stuff. He didn't need it. He doesn't need it. He's got his own, his own like, kingdom, so to speak. He's already like founding his own cities and all that stuff. He's good. He's good. But it just communicates to us what's happening between these two brothers is it's all just washed away. It's like that dry erase board with the you know, big red marker on there, like betrayal is written on this, this dry erase board. Because that's what Jacob did to his brother. He betrayed his brother. He betrayed his dad. He, he stole from them, both of them. And it's as if somebody came through with just that, that dry erase, you know, eraser and just wiped it clean, and the slate has been cleaned, as if it hasn't even happened. That is a good picture for us and Jesus and how he views us. And he says, listen, all your sins, all your sins washed away. There's no like, you know how it was in school. I don't know if you guys had chalkboards, because you know, chalkboards are not really the best thing in the world, um, not counting the fact that the horrible sounds that they would make. But sometimes your teacher would write something on there and then you erase it, but you could always see the remnants of it, faintly, right? Like you could always, even on dry erase boards, sometimes that happens, where you can see faintly the, the resemblance of whatever was written on there. Sometimes we live our lives like that. As if Jesus came through and says, "Okay, look, all these sins, I'm going to wash them off, so don't even worry about it. But then we look back on those things, and we're like, but I can still see that sin faintly, but it's still there. And I can still see that one. I can still see that one. It's not like that at all. Jesus has like this super eraser, and it's called his blood. And it just is one swipe. It's gone, as if it had never been there before. Clean, clean. That's kind of what's being, you know, that that image is, is being really pictured to us through this story, this interaction between these two brothers. There was a sin that came in and destroyed this relationship. There was sin that had damaged this relationship. But Jesus was able to step in between these two brothers and make all the difference in the world to where they can come back together and they can hug each other. They can embrace and the conversation that they have is not like, hey, listen, man, I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't have done it. It's like, no, here, please take this stuff. Please, I don't want your stuff. No, please take this stuff. Would you just please take the stuff? That was what the conversation was. There was no talk, as far as we know, of what happened 20 years ago. It's as if it never happened. He goes on to say, verse 12, Esau says to Jacob, let us take our journey. Let us go, and I will go before you. So he's like, hey, you need to come to my house. Come hang out with me. I live down there. I got my own space. I got a lot of space. I got my own part of this country. Um, Come hang out with me. So let's go this way. And Jacob says to him, verse 13, my Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and the herds which uh, which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which, uh, which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Seir. Now, um, there's a really good chance that he had, he had no intention of going there at all. He had no intention of following his brother. He had no intention of going to where, to his brother's house. This is a fascinating thing to where it's like, well, Jacob, why don't you just tell him what God told you? Well, I just had this good reunion, and I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to offend the guy. Because Esau's like, no, come hang out at my house. Come come hang out with me. And he's like, um, yeah, okay, I'll do that. You go ahead. I'll catch up. He never does. Never does. He has no intention of doing it either. So why'd he say it if he didn't mean to do it? It's kind of that old Jacob coming back. Real quickly, sometimes it's less than a day, you know. Sometimes those things happen in less than a day, where it's like you have this amazing, you know, little moment with Jesus, and maybe your devotions or you're reading through the Word, and you just have this incredible, incredible time with Him. And then a few hours pass, and you're back to your old ways, and you're back to the. You just stepped in that same old thing. You're like, ah, how did I end up here? It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. We need to understand that. That's why we need to be vigilant in the sense of pursuing after Jesus and pursuing holiness. Holiness, is that a word we hear much anymore nowadays? Not really. Holiness, to be different, to be set apart, to be different. Not just set apart from the world, but set apart from my old ways and my old self. There should be a difference. There should be a difference. But here's Jacob, and he's like, listen, um man, how do I tell him this? Uh, I don't want <laughs> I don't, I to don't go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to your house. Um, I don't, I'm supposed to go, I'm, I'm supposed to be in the land and God's got this plan for me. And man, I don't, I don't want to go to his house. How do I tell him? I'll just lie to him. I'll just lie to him. Yeah, you go ahead. We'll catch up. You go, you get a, get a head start. a couple days. Yeah, don't worry about us. If you don't see us, don't worry. We'll be there, but it'll just be a few days late. He has no intention, no intention of going. Just say it. Just say it. You know what? You know what Esau? Um, Man, I appreciate that. But the Lord's told me to go here. I need to get back to, he doesn't even go back to the place where he should have gone. He doesn't. And again, the old Jacob kind of kicks in. But he should have just been forthright with him and just honest with him and said, you know what? Man, I, I think I'm supposed to be here. And if I go way down south where you're at, I think I'll be off target of where God wants me to be. So if it's okay with you, I need to set up camp over here. And then we could talk after that. We could talk after that. Maybe you come and visit me. Maybe you come and hang out with me, right? He didn't, he just said, yeah, go ahead. We'll catch up. Yeah, you just go ahead. We'll, we'll, I promise, I promise we'll be there. Esau probably knows. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't trust any promises from that guy right? I don't care if he's walking with a limp or not. Like, I don't, I'd never trust anything that Jacob says. And he would be right in not trusting him. Esau says, verse 15, uh, now let me leave uh, with you some of the people who are with me, right? Okay, I'll go ahead. But let me have some insurance in this story. I'll, I'll leave some of my guys with you. They can help you. And then they'll make sure that you get to my house. Jacob says, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. Seir. I don't know if I'm saying that right, and I'm sorry. You may be thinking like, this dude is totally butchering that word. I apologize. Um, You can correct me afterwards, but that's how I'm saying it, Seir. Uh, And Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth, built himself a house and made booths, which is what that means, uh, for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkoth, okay? So that literally means booths. So that's what he did. He journeyed there, set up camp there for his livestock, he built a house for himself. He's dwelling in tents all his life, but now he's building himself an abode, okay? Kind of a permanent residency there. But Esau goes his way, and Jacob goes his way. And again, that there may be peace in that relationship, but they're not like having family dinners together. They're not doing that thing anymore. They're, Esau's doing his thing. Jacob's doing his thing but at least there's peace between the two. At least you have closure. At least you have closure. And you can, Jacob can kind of finish out his life at least knowing that. of Like, man, I, you know what? I, I did my brother wrong, um, but we made up for it. We made up for it. God made it right. So having that closure is, that peace of mind is, oh, man, it's so, it can be so freeing for us. So again, I don't know where you guys are at. I don't even know if this is an issue for you. But if peace can be made, pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. You never know what could happen. You never know what the outcome could be. Maybe family dinners would be back on the table. Maybe they won't. But at least you would have peace within your heart and your mind saying, you know what, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what I was supposed to do. And... I get to walk in that freedom. I get to walk in that freedom. I'm still kind of, and I've been hinting at, you know, kind of telling you guys this, you know, again, that reconnecting with some family on my dad's side and all that. I mean, that's been really kind of a cool, weird kind of story in one sense where it's like, I got, you know, cousins that I kind of grew up with and all that stuff. They're the main ones I've been connecting with. The missing piece for that puzzle for me is my dad. And that is on my, like, goal list for 2019, if I'm not pursuing relationship, but I am just pursuing, pursuing what I've seen with Esau and with Jacob is, at least I can say, I went and I said, hey, all's forgiven. I don't hold anything against you. I'm walking in that freedom. I'm walking in that peace, but so that he would know that. Whatever he does with that, that's his business. That's between him and the Lord. But I know on my part, it's like, man, I'm a totally different person, totally different person. But I would have that, I could, I could have that peace of mind in, in, in one sense, not that I don't have it, but that I could have that to where that closure is there, that's, that's been done. The Lord has done some stuff there, and I move on, you know, and whatever it looks like after that, I have no clue. I have no clue. Um, some things work out in ways you think they will, and then some things go totally different. I, have n- I don't know what to, d- I never know what to expect with the Lord, never know what to expect with Him. Because things that I think how it'll work out and go out, go, and all that stuff, it never seems to work out that way. So that's that story. That story kind of comes to a close. And we see a little bit of the old Jacob within there. This last little portion is, it's, it's cool in one sense, but it's also tragic in another, if you understand context. And this is the reason why we go through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Um... Because where Jacob chooses to live is going to be detrimental to his family. It's going to be devastating to his family. There was an area where Jacob should have gone back to. And we know this as we've been walking through the book of Genesis. And he had this encounter, this dream, on his way to his uncle Laban's house to go get a wife. And he gets the two wives plus his extra maidservants and all that stuff. But he has this encounter with Jesus at Bethel which means, you know, the house of God. And a lot of guys, a lot of commentators and, and, you know, Bible experts, so to speak, believe, well, that's where he should have went back to. You had an encounter with, with God there. Jacob, you know you're supposed to go in the promised land and Bethel is in the promised land. You should, have go, you should go back to there. Why not go back to there? Why not go back to where you saw that ladder you know, from connecting heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending, why not go back there? That's a good place to be. It may not be able to provide you all the things attractive-wise that some of these other areas can provide for you, but it will provide you with a location of like, man, this is, he identified it. This is a special place on planet Earth. There's no other place like this. He kind of has a lot experience, you remember when, G- when Lot and his guys were kind of fighting with Abraham and, and his servants? And so Abraham goes to Lot and says, listen, Lot, um, this, this land's big enough for the both of us. Um, you can pick wherever you want, and you go there, and you'll have that. You go that way, and then I'll go this way. But we have to separate because there's not peace within our, within our, you know, our, our servants. So Lot looks around And we know this, we remember this, Lot does that thing that, unfortunately, that is just too common within our lives. Um, Instead of looking up and saying, okay, Lord, where should I go? He looks left and he looks right. He surveys the land and he sees this beautiful, lush land. And he says, I want that area. He probably was well aware of the fact that the border of that beautiful, lush land was a notorious place um, known for its wickedness, known for its wickedness, Sodom and Gomorrah. But he's able to tolerate Sodom and Gomorrah because of what the land had to offer to him. I don't mind living at the border of those places if I get this beautiful land, in one sense, like I'll get as close to that line as I possibly can, because look how good it looks. He chose that. He ends up Lot, Lot's life, anyways, as we know. He ends up actually living in Sodom, and he is one of the elders and the ruling guys in that town. Okay, so not not to you know it, it didn't it wasn't like a long time that that happened. Pretty quickly, Lot found himself living outside the city limits to living inside in a house within that city. Jacob's going to have the same kind of close encounter, so to speak. Here's what he does. It says then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Now, God told him, I will get you back into the promised land safely. But he chooses Shechem. Why are you choosing Shechem? You you should go to you should go back to Bethel. You should go back to the house of God. Why? Because she, Shechem had a lot to offer. Externally, it's beautiful. It's a great land. It's, it has a lot to offer to you, which is in the land of Canaan. So he's within his boundaries. He's within, you know, where he's supposed to be. When he came from uh, Padan Aram, he, uh, he set up his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of land where he, had, uh, where he set up his tent and from the children of uh, Kemar, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Um, so he's, he's purchased land, which is good. I mean, that's what he should be doing. In verse 20, then he erected an altar there and called it El uh, Elohe Israel, or the God, the God of Israel is what that means. So he's doing what he should be doing. I mean, he's, he's going into the land, he's purchasing land, he's, he's establishing, like, this is... The land that's been promised to me, and he's going to even set up an altar, and he's, and, you know, we've we've seen him do that, but we saw him do it at Bethel, and it's so now he's doing it here, kind of like his, his grandfather would do. The sad reality of that, if you look into biblical history, is this area where he chose borders a pretty wicked town, and it's my opinion that you know what, you should have went to Bethel. Bethel would have been safer for you and for your family, more specifically for you and for your daughter. Because it's Genesis 34, which is one of the saddest chapters in the entire Bible, where his daughter, the only one that's been named to us, where his daughter goes through a horrific story. Why? Well, because the neighbors, because your neighbors where your dad chose to set up camp. Now, did he know that they were going to do this? Probably not, but these are not guys that you, you should have known from the beginning that these are not guys that you want living next door to your family. And in one sense, that would be a picture of, well, how close, how close to, the, to the world do we want to set up camp? How close to the world do we want to set up camp for us and for our families? There's a there's a, a, a tremendous lesson that to be learned within that. Um, it's a lesson that you know even some of us I think have even walked through that. Um, the dangers of that. But there's Jacob, and was he supposed to be in Shechem? You know, we have no. There's no indication that the Lord told him to go there. There's no word that he told him to go there, and there's no word that he told him not to go there. But when you take a step back and you look at the totality of it in the context of all the chapters together, it's like, why would you set up camp next to these guys that are not, Jacob, they're not, they're not even close to being on the team. Why would you, why would you set your family up so close to these guys? Why not go to Bethel, the house of God, where you knew, man, you met God there. You knew that's a safe place. Why not set up camp there? Even in the midst of some of these tragic stories and the, and the chaos, I, I want us to understand that, man, the Lord can take the mess we make and turn it into a masterpiece. He can make beautiful things happen from our disasters. He just can't. Ephesians talks about that where, you know, we are His, this poema, this masterpiece that he is continually working on. He's working on it. And yeah, there's messes and there's all kinds of hard edges to me and things that need to be chipped off and things that need to be reformed and all that good stuff. But he's so willing to do it. He's so willing to do it for each and every one of us. That yes, Jesus died on the cross for us. That yes, he rose from the grave. And not that we're just waiting for him to come back. No, he is active within our lives and he is forming and fashioning each and every one of us. And so what we do until that day he comes back is we say, man, I'll take that cracker and I'll take that cup of juice and I know what it means. I know what it represents. His body and his blood. Never lose sight of the fact that it means that he is continually working on you. He hasn't given up on any of us. And you might be sitting in the biggest disaster of your life. I want you to know the Lord is not done with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you.
0: Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. God detailed His creation story in the first few chapters of this book and then went on to reveal His power and glory in the following pages. We learn who He is through this book, what's important to Him, and how He expects us to follow Him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus.